Here, in a world where the sun burns cold, and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come. But not by herself. Start it. Suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind? The fear is back. Ah, don't look back, dude! Run as fast as you can! And most of all, the bitch is back. <laughs> Alien 3. Cinema parlor again. Happy Halloween. Draconi. <laughs> Draconi. That sounds like an Italian dish that would be delicious. Give me the Draconi. What's up, y'all? I'm Nolan. <laughs> Stacy Clover. Melanie Daniels. You're listening to Cinema Parlor. The spooky season continues, y'all. And on this week's show, we have uh, a nice pick from Mr. Stacy Clover. But before we get started with all that. Melanie, what are we drinking on this second Spooky Season episode? It's a pumpkin patch. This was mm. a request from Stacy. He, like I said, I gave you guys flavors you could pick from. You picked a ginger, you picked pumpkin. So in this, I have, you can make your own if you want, but I did canned pumpkin puree. I'm going to give the recipe for three drinks, so you cut that down however you need to. But I did six ounces of maple bourbon from Knob Creek, three tablespoons of pumpkin puree. I made my own brown sugar simple syrup and you don't have to do this but it adds a little bit of sweetness so if you want the mm-hmm. it has a spice to it this gives it the the sweet and the spice so I think it's kind of essential what you want to do is take half a cup of brown sugar dark brown sugar if you can find it just as much as you want clove ground up clove ground up ginger ground up nutmeg cinnamon and pumpkin spice mix that all together and then you want to add you can either boil it over the stove or you can add i have a like a kettle so i heated up water and then stirred it while it was hot and i poured it into a container you can keep it in the refrigerator and it'll stay good for about two weeks oh yeah and it's delicious but i just added kind of a splash of that into each of our drinks directly also you want to add i did ginger on top because again i just like Mm -hmm. the spice to it the same one we used last time and then a little bit of apple cider for those that have, that have kept up with us, we are doing a 24-hour movie marathon. This is called Cinema Parlor's Brains, Blood, and Popcorn 24-Hour Horror Film Marathon. Today's picks will be round number two. So I've actually, I know I said some stuff last episode. I need to do a little little different. So with this week's pick, I'm actually going for a classic film on this one. So last week I had my craziness going right into right into the action there. Yeah. And then, so this week I'm going to actually take it down a little bit. It's still 
still a good time. But it went for a classic film. I liked your craziness from last week. Because who needs therapy? Sure. Well, I, and I agree. But I, I wanted... The way I think I originally said last week is I was going crazy. And then I'm going to like this dreamy landscape thing. And then uh-huh. crazy at the end. Yeah. I still want to do dreamy. But I'm like, this is too early in the night to go dreamy yet. Because I want to do it when like people are in that mid-level of like going in and out of sleep. But I think that works best with those type of films. So I think for my second slot, I want to go classic. So my assumption is we were starting in the morning last time. So this is like lunchtime, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's a good spot. I'm going classic here. So I'm going to be picking 1933's Mystery of the Wax Museum, directed by Michael Curtiz. This is my personal favorite film of, of the, the Wax Museum. Love this movie. Sadly, I've only seen it on a bad copy, and I need to get the new Blu-ray. It stars Lionel Atwell, Glinda Farrell, Alan Vincent, Fay Ray of note. Put more respect on Fay Ray's name. Yeah, she should have been first. I apologize. The sets at the end of this, it's my yeah. favorite. I think we talked about it last year. We, we did. jump back on House of Wax. We did that as the, the 2003 or four, whatever. Yeah. House of Wax, the ending set piece of this one is my favorite. I think it's, it's so awesome. It's so good, yeah. And even watching it like on, on the older DVD trans- transfer, it still looked great. I just really want to see it popping because I think they got it from like a nitrate print on this new mm-hmm. Blu-ray. So I know it's just going to look fantastic. But anyway, so that is my pick here for our this, this second segment here. I fully respect that pick. I like that movie. I like Lionel Atwell. What do you got here? I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys. I, I feel like you all knew that this was coming, okay? but I'm doing it early. Oh. Halloween. Because I'm assuming this marathon is on Halloween. I love this movie. In my opinion, I think it is the greatest horror film. If you want to say Texas Chainsaw, I totally get it. But I think that this is the best horror film. The reason I'm putting it this early, we've all seen this movie. If you're like me, you've seen it dozens, if not hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. You can eat your lunch. You can tune into the parts you want to tune into, your faves. Sure. You tune out. This is just a great, solid film for lunchtime. All right. Melanie, what do you got? Again, you listened to last week's episode. You know where this is headed, but I'll reveal what my entire theme is at the end of this. So for my next pick, second pick, it's going to be The Company of Wolves from 1984. Ah, all right. And this is from Neil Jordan. It's based on a novel or a short story by Angela Carter, one of my favorite female writers. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I love this film. It's beautiful. It's gory as hell mm-hmm. in a surprising way because it's very storybook. And it, it kind of lulls you into the sense of, oh, everything's nice and and quaint. And then someone's literally ripping their face off. It's amazing. Yeah. Love this movie. I saw this for the first time a couple years back, and really striking imagery I remember from this movie. And, and I think Neil Jordan is good at striking imagery with, with horror films. And yeah. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah. But Agreed. I fully support it. I think in November we're getting a nice Screen Factory Blu ray. We certainly are. Yeah. So to order these, where we came off last time, I think we ended with pieces. I'm thinking we go Halloween. Mystery of the Wax Museum, and then Company of Wolves. And I'm going to tell you my reasoning. Mm -hmm. I think that Halloween is, it's a come down off of pieces. That movie's Mm -hmm. fucking insane and fun. 
Halloween feels like a modern movie. It's a slasher. Mm-hmm. You you get the kills, you get the thrills. Pieces of the Halloween, you kind of get this like nice little S curve mm-hmm. where you're way up and then it's gonna take you down and then back out. And I, I agree. I feel like with the haunting ending of Halloween, going into Mystery of the Wax Museum, you kind of have that come down and then you get this beautiful two, three color technicolor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of you, amazing pinks and greens. Yeah, you just sure. get you get a mm-hmm. hang, yep. Lionel Atwell. You get some great imagery, but there's also the comedic side pieces. Yep. And then you get to go into Company of Wolves, which is probably a nice like setup for the shit that we're gonna come up with later. Oh yeah. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Things so, are happening here. Because I, I will say I, I agree with that. My, my third segment is gonna get it's it's gonna get the dreaming shit. So. <laughs> I was about to say it's gonna get chunky, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Wait, so, uh, did my draft just? I, I it worked for me. Yeah, you, I think we you did it last time too, and yeah. I I agreed with it. I so. think you're, you killed it. Man. Yeah, no, I fully I'm, agree. I'm in, that's that's how I would have lined so that up. I'm thinking like Halloween time, mm-hmm. like once you get from the opening, mm-hmm. you're ordering lunch. Yeah. What are we having for lunch? Oh man, on my on this marathon. I think day. this this is the point that you're starting to order popcorn, right? Sure. You get your popcorn bowl. Well, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a fatty, so I'm going to be ordering popcorn at the beginning and just keep munching on it throughout the day. See, Stop I would and do, skew. I would do some. <laughs> you get your cereal. Some nice. I don't know. I think I would do some breakfast tacos. To I don't know if we talked about this last time. Oh yeah, I would that's do right. Breakfast tacos mm-hmm. at the beginning, something like that, and then I in yep. a coffee. Get a coffee. Have it with your early movies, and then this is around the time where I want to get some. I think I would do. I like a crunchy, some sort of chip fried pickle. I like your fried pickle pick. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to popcorn, and I think I'm gonna go with a sandwich, just a maybe a cooked sandwich. Like a meat? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Something with a little crunch, sure. some meat and cheese. Oh, yeah. I would still want a big old pickle spear on the side. Nice. I'm gonna get a big ass beer. Big ass beer, okay. Big ass beer. Uh, I'm having one of these. Yeah, I mean, I'm. If, if those are available, I'm in with these drinks. I mean, right? if these are available, you're that's what you're drinking all night, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of the night, if they provide yeah, you're you, if mm-hmm. we're doing no, no, I'm saying if we're doing this is like our own just right. the Alamo where we're offering mm-hmm. like party favors. If they gave you a really cheap two dollar cape and mm. teeth, are those in at the <laughs> yeah at the end? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're just sitting there with your teeth yep. and your cane. <laughs> just like in and out of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will go ahead and say for my lunch meal, I will have popcorn, obviously, because that's always going to be there for me. And I'm going to do some wings with with a side of blue cheese. Mm. And I'm thinking like a, like, you know, a, a sweet and and spicy, but not too spicy for me because I get a little reflux. But I like so the sweet heat. Yeah, so a sweet heat, a mild sweet heat and some blue cheese to go along with my popcorn and that's and uh obviously I, like i said i'm just i'm gonna keep drinking these all right well i think we got a really solid marathon going yeah i think that so far i mean if i if i had sat down and these were the films that were playing not even because mm-hmm. i picked some of them i would be very pleased it's yeah. a good setup so far Agreed. for sure well are we ready to get into the film for the day yes. all right i picked 1992's alien 3 by David Fincher. What made you go for this one this year? Well, I believe this movie is celebrating its 30th anniversary. I think this movie's underloved, and I love it. Do we want to just get into, like... Mm-hmm. The history of this film is insane, and I think it's the most 
everything that comes before it. That's why I highly recommend watching the documentary. It is also interesting. To me, this movie, it kind of sits with, like, Return of the Jedi and Godfather 3 as these series that are beloved, where the first two entries are perfect movies, and the third one, eh, not as much. But still, it's a fantastic film. They're not as bad as people say they are. I don't know about you guys, but I, for me, this is the third best Alien movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that... Uh, I would just say that this is the first time I've seen this assembly cut, which is the one we watched. I watched the, the theatrical cut years ago, so I would have been in high school, so that would have been... God, I don't even want to think a about different... how long ago that was. But yes, absolutely, a different person who knew nothing about movies and just watched it, you know, because I watched it with one of our friends of mm-hmm. no memory of this movie whatsoever, other than, like, small little images. Long story short, I agree with you. This is definitely the, the third best of the Alien franchise. the third best, and, I mean, any of that, the newer films that have come out, I think it is a solid third best. Like, it is, mm-hmm. it is not close. I feel like this movie came out at a time... It's hard to describe for people that didn't have, I guess, interest. And I was probably too young. Do you remember marketing for this film, either of you? Yeah, I do not. Okay. So the original marketing of this film was, there was the teaser before they even had the script. In 1979, we discovered in space, no one can hear you scream. In 1992, we will discover on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. We were a big movie family. So we would, the weekend comes, we would rent videos from the video store. That's what you did back then, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. So I remember teasers for this movie. It was very striking. People running through corridors, and then you get that last shot of uh, Ripley in the infirmary, you know, cowering, and then the alien coming up into her face. That's how all those trailers ended. Yeah, so sports were more the thing in our family growing up. But especially not a movie like this. Right. I would not have been allowed to watch it. But I definitely, that's an image that if you were around a TV or some any type of movie at the time, trailers or whatever. That, that's an image that sticks out. Yeah. So, for Aliens, about 9091, that is when I, Will Stacy, would have first seen the CBS cut of Aliens, which aired in 89. And did it blow your fucking mind? Oh, it did. It blew <laughs> my fucking mind. I was like, this is the best thing ever. You know what? A part of me still today believes that. Aliens is my second favorite movie of all time. I find that movie to be perfect and phenomenal. So, little Stacy watching that CBS cut, you know, with the no cursing, no violence, and the weird extra scenes put in that are pretty good. Which version do you prefer? Uh, just on Aliens? Aliens? Yeah. Uh, I prefer the theatrical because I don't like the colony reveal at the beginning of the special edition. Okay. I kind of like that. It's not necessary, but I do kind of like it. I actually think the CBS cut is probably the best version because you get everything from the special edition minus the colony scene. 
And I think that's the best version of the movie. Okay. That's fair. No, I mean, obviously, like, in widescreen and R-rated and everything. But Little Me is, like, I love Aliens. Like, I watched this movie and it's like, oh, my God, this is scary, but action-packed. It's phenomenal. At the time, I feel like pop culture was just enraptured with Aliens. Every video game had, like, Aliens references. There was so much stuff that was just Aliens. And it, it... I, I guess the only other way to explain like what the franchise was at that point, it's kind of a mini version of what Star Wars was in like 97 before episode mm-hmm. one came out. Those special editions were coming out. They came out with the new toys. Aliens had like a four year run of, oh my God, this fucking movie is the best. And then around Alien 3, you get the buildup for this movie, those trailers, the toy line comes out for kids. The Dark Horse comics come out in 88, the Dark Horse comics come out. It's just all this goodwill and all these video games are coming out that are either based off aliens or referencing aliens. I was like, oh yeah, fucking aliens. And that toy line is so cool, which for the collectors out there, NECA has been putting out those Kenner toys, like recreations of them. This is from the Aliens toy line, which those came with the Dark Horse comic. But we're gonna stop them anyway! Send in the Marines! We're the Space Marines! Drake, Ripley, A-Bone, Bishop, and I'm Hicks, armed with the latest high-tech heavy metal. Look out, Hicks! The Queen's gonna crown ya! My Bug Rocker's on a roll! Full alien attacking! Eat torch, Bug Brain! Alien invasion problem? Send in the Marines! Aliens! Send in the Marines! Space Marines! Aliens! I don't know. It's just some seeing those in toy stores, seeing commercials. You know, I bought them up. It just captured my imagination. So this build for Alien Three was just like, oh my god! Like this is this is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of I I guess this movie's coming from like a a nostalgia point, but as an older film fan, I love it. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Yeah, Melanie, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the problems or issues that? this film had in its making. (laughs) There's a lot. And again, I highly recommend the documentary, the making of this film. It's really interesting. All the characters that kind of fit in and Fincher at the very beginning, (laughs) because he's smiling and youthful and there's light in his eyes. And he's what, 26, 28. And he's making Alien 3. And he's working with the light specialist that worked on Blade Runner. He has an insane team behind him. Well, and you think about the pedigree of that, it's like, you have Ridley Scott and James Cameron. And now David Fincher, uh, Nine Inch Nails, music videos, very... That mm-hmm. was his world. The commercial effects. Was commercials like commercials and music videos. And right? music videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, in my... Even, like, seeing those three films, it's like, they're all visionaries. Oh, yeah, and, and they're doing totally different things. And what they're... And, again, I know Fincher, he has kind of divorced himself entirely from this film and this franchise. Right. Which I think is a shame because I would love to hear him talk about it at length. I wish he would sit down and talk about the process. I'm sure it would be a lot of just, it's again, control being taken away, a studio coming in and trying to clamp down on something whenever it's like, why did you hire a visionary guy? Oh, like sure, but it's a way better film than Benjamin Button, and that <laughs> movie probably got a commentary. Yeah. For sure. But halfway through the making of UC Fincher, and he is sunken, he is like gaunt, he, all the light is gone. This film, I think the the issue is it never had a script. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the main thing running through that whole making of is 
they're building these giant sets because Melinda, I don't know if you know what the initial kind of vision for this film was. Well, I say initial, there's like three acts of the initial vision. Yeah. So it was supposed to be kind of a Hicks action film. That was Alien 3 and that was a story done by William Gibson. So Rennie Harlan was initially hired for this yeah. after Nightmare 4. Yeah, which and is... So was he to direct the Gibson script? I think that Rennie was... Because he was the first signed on. Mm-hmm. So Rennie, I think, is supposed to direct the Gibson story. And then Vincent Ward, I want to say, came on as a writer strictly, was to do some tune-ups to the story. And then Rennie... His thing was really just timing, but they weren't ready to film so he left. If for anybody that's interested, there is an audible free, I think, mm-hmm. where it's Michael Bean and Lance Hinkerson and they do voicing for they read the un, okay. like uncredited official script. Ripley's not really in it. Mm-hmm. Newt kind of gets shipped off. It I don't know. I feel like some people talk about it like, oh, this would have been so cool. I think it would have been kind of boring. Yeah. I think people when they talk about the disappointment of where Alien 3 ended up. It's people that wanted the Dark Horse story. And that, and that's what I'm getting and to. And Gibson's the closest to that. Yeah, well, because there is a version, Dark Horse, and this is a different thing, because Dark Horse did a run of comics with Newt and Hicks that are brilliant. They're amazing. And I, I'm one of the people that I'm really disappointed that we don't get to see that story on screen. But I'm also, I like this movie a lot. Like, I think it's great. I like that this is the final product with all the craziness that happened. But I also really love those stories, and it's a shame that we don't get to see it. There's a Dark Horse version of William Gibson's script, and I'm going to post these on Twitter so people can see them, but I want to get your guys' reaction to the artwork, and I'm going to explain to you, because he explains how the, um, in this film we don't get an explanation of really where the um, egg or the face hugger comes from on the ship. They they show it on the, like, on the side of the dropship in the Sulaco. It doesn't make sense for what you saw in Aliens. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't sure. make sense. Gibson wrote is that Bishop, while he, while he was laying on the platform in Aliens, the queen, when she's over him, mm-hmm. she puts one last egg ah. in his chest cavity. Okay. It, it gets stored and he, you know, gets put in the mm-hmm. pod where, with the rest of them okay. and it bursts out of Bishop. Okay. So here is some artwork I'm going to show you the cover because you're going to think, oh, this will be cool. So the official cover for Gibson's mm-hmm. Alien 3. That looks great, yeah. This is the inside artwork. Yeah, that's dumb. How do you not know that's there? How would... I mean, Ripley picks him <laughs> up. It, isn't that insane? Yeah. It looks like a bulbous humor. It's a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how they Gibson's story kind of explains that an egg is hidden inside the okay. cavity of Bishop, and that's where we get sure. it. So that's your first iteration. Again, I think it's kind of boring. Well, and I think in that documentary, like David Gill and Walter Hill, like they were talking in that documentary of, it was a script. It was done. It's, it wasn't exciting. It was, it's boring. It, I, it you know. Eh. Yeah, it absolutely boring. So then we cut to the next iteration is from Vincent Ward. And his idea, it's very similar to the basic story that we get in this of a bunch of men living on their own planet and very religious and mm-hmm. kind of radicalized to that religion and there are no women so essentially it was supposed to be a colony of monks and the idea was that they lived in something kind of like a space station like the death star and the inside interior was all wooden the windows were stained glass and very mm-hmm. ornate very wide corridors and arched doorways he was supposed to direct it he wrote it and 
he kind of just got kicked out based on differences like people he was really putting his heels in and like wouldn't compromise anything and was very adamant that it had to be this and they were already starting to lose pieces of what his story was and the studio kind of took it away mm-hmm. and it boiled down to he got fired yeah it didn't seem like because Sigourney has the line in the documentary about how she thinks that the only people that know how to write Ripley are Walter Hill Giller and James Cameron yeah so she was insistent that they take a pass on the script, the producers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by by the end of it, I mean, you see in the credits the story by Vincent Ward, but screenplay by mm-hmm. Walter Hill, yeah. David Giller. And... She really wasn't interested in teaming up with anybody, and she was very adamant that she died in this film. She did not want to okay. go back. Also okay. adamant that there were no guns, no weapons. Oh, so that was, that was, that her. was a lot from her. Yeah. She okay. didn't want a movie about guns. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I that's something I really like about this film, the fact that it's everything does make sense with what they're having to do is because they're locked down to prison. Right. They can't. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think the world building in this film is quite phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it just is with the series. So then Vincent Ward's out, Fincher comes on, and everyone is super pumped about him, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's going to be this awesome thing, and kind of pivoting to this instead of this warm wooden planet it's mm-hmm. this very cold industrial yeah. prison that's kind of where his wheelhouse was anyways Absolutely. at that point so it makes sense yeah. he obviously knows how to shoot and his whatever would have happened with vincent ward it would not have been as good as this it just wouldn't have mm-hmm. as venture gets going we do know that he had quite a budget for this movie wasn't it over 60 million dollars they kept right? over budget yeah yeah like that the initial budget was not that. They yeah. just kept going over and over, and they were super delayed with filming. Things kept taking so much longer. Yeah. But they had these huge sets that they were, I mean, massive sets that they were building, mm-hmm. and they were working in the 007 studio. Uh, Pinewood. Yeah, Pinewood. So they're set up in that huge space and building these crazy elaborate settings, and for everything was taking so long, and they would get to shooting, and they still didn't have a script. You'd have your pages, and then it'd be like, actually, no, we're not doing any of that. So they they would have things that they were building, the special effects team, that all of a sudden completely got cut. Fully completed. The second in charge um, in the film, uh, who is uh, referred to as 85 because of his IQ. Yeah, so that guy, like, he became, in Fincher's mind, like, he was the bigger part of the story. And Walter Hill and David Giller like fought back against that, so they wrote pages to make that character dumb because they're like, no, that's the comedic relief guy. So he he's eighty five, his IQ. There and I like the two of them, but there are things during the whole process that makes them seem like huge assholes. Yeah, true. and I think that they are assholes. Yeah, but they're probably right most of the time. Most of the time, I think so. Yeah. But it did seem like punching down on like a young up-and-coming director just to do it. Sure. And so it, it came to the point where as you, uh, Fincher disowns this movie at this point. He's utterly... I, I tried to find stuff of him talking about it, and things will get brought up, and he is very tight-lipped still, where he'll say mm-hmm. a thing or two. And Well, and the studio tried to bring him in for the quadrilogy because, oh, was it 2003 whatever, the 25th anniversary for Alien, they started doing all of those, like, special editions on the DVDs. So they re-released Alien. I don't know if you remember this, known, but they released Alien in theaters, like the new director's cut from Ridley. I 
do remember that, yes. And then they put out the special edition from James Cameron, which yes. was previously on Laserdisc. Yeah, and that's when they were pulling everybody for interviews and commentary. So they did the assembly cut first then, but then I guess they redid it for the Blu-ray because the assembly cut had a bunch of unfinished sound cues and visual effects on the two-disc DVD. Mm-hmm. And that's when Fox was doing the numbered spines, like Criterion. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember I that. Do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So once they did the quadrilogy box set, the right. Blu-ray one, that's when they went through and did a final pass on the assembly cut. Mm-hmm. And that's what we watched. Can I make one complaint about the quadrilogy? Absolutely. I hate that packaging. <laughs> I hate that. Packaging. Fox does that because the Avatar packaging is the same. But the the pages. It. I hate when in Star Wars. Up, it's whenever you first get those things, you it feels like you're breaking not only the container that they come in, like the actual sleeves, but then you pull out the disc and you feel like you're gonna snap it in two because yeah. everything is so hard <laughs> and like yeah. not pliable at all. Sorry. Clamshells, bitches. I hate the qual. I I love what the quadrilogy is. Mm-hmm. I hate that packaging. But yeah, to tie up like the whole issue with this film, it really does come down to scripting. There was a mm-hmm. script. He sure. at no point did he really have a script. But that being said, I think I think the story that we get is good. I think it's actually pretty tight. Yeah. Considering that. Sure. Not bad at all. Uh, a couple things I want to say real quick before we start on the movie. As I said, this was really my first viewing, if we're being honest, and I I really liked it. I have complaints that we'll talk about. So I was expecting, I didn't know what to expect. I, I like Fincher, but I didn't know what to think. And I, I really liked it. And there are some critics that are big believers in this movie as well. Um, in particular, Bill Jabari and Scout Tafoya. And then uh, also Adam Naiman last year wrote a huge Fincher book. And if you're interested in Fincher, you should read that. And he breaks down all the movies and everything. Scout Tafoya for RogerDebert.com did a, a video essay on Alien 3. And one of his quotes I just found to be interesting. He said, if Ridley Scott's Alien is science fiction turned into art, Alien 3 is art maimed until it resembles science fiction. I thought that was an interesting quote. I think it's interesting because he writes for Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. So Ebert's review at the time. And I think it's interesting because the theatrical cut is messier than what we watched with the assembly cut. But Ebert's review was, this is the best-looking bad movie. Yes, I I knew that quote as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've, I've seen a number of critics compare this, and I think it's an apt comparison. Talking about The Passion of Joan of Arc, Dreyer's film, mm-hmm. with, with Alien 3. And I think that was a huge influence, not only in her obvious haircut. From the framing and the close-up shots of Ripley... To being forsaken uh, by God or, or religion, to being outed and at the end and being sacrificed because, because of the evil inside her. And anyway, I think it has a lot to resemble with a Dreyer's film. Oh, so absolutely. I agree with that completely. And yeah. anyway, it's a good take. And yeah. And then the last thing I want to mention is coming around full circle to Ridley Scott, is I also think this was kind of a funny comeback that he would make when he makes G.I. Jane and replicating Demi Moore's character's look from Ripley's in this movie. It is a striking look, but they have a really good reason for it. Sure. it the, the lice. 
Which you lose that in the theatrical cut. I don't think they really talk about it that much, the lies. So let's get into the film here. This is from Letterboxd, Alien 3, directed by David Fincher, 1992. The bitch is back after escaping with Newt and Hicks from the alien planet. Ripley crash lands on Fiorina. 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 You can say Fury. Fury, yeah. Crash lands on Fury, 161. A prison planet and host to a correctional facility. Unfortunately, although Newt and Hicks do not survive the crash, a more welcome, unwelcome visitor does. The prison does not allow weapons of any kind, and with aid being a long time away, the prisoners must simply survive in any way they can. All right, so our cast, we have Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Charles S. Dutton as Dylan, Charles Dance as Clemens, Pete Postlethwaite as David, Ralph Brown as Aaron, Paul McGann as Golick. Gar- is it, for some reason, I thought it was garlic. That's well, the way it, it sounds like. It, it sounds, sounds like garlic, way. but it's Golick. <laughs> <laughs> we have Danny Webb as. Did you write it in your notes? I did garlic? write it as garlic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Webb as Morse, Lance Henriksen as Bishop, Brian Glover as Andrews, and. You do have a man in a suit in this one. Okay. So the lead actor playing the alien, the xenomorph himself, is Tom Woodruff Jr. And he is part of the special effects team. I didn't even know all this stuff. I didn't realize all the stuff he has been in. He actually was in Aliens. Oh. That's kind of what kicks off his, okay. his start. He worked with Stan Winston, so he's part of that school. It makes sense why he'd be attached to all these things. So he is the Gilman and Monster Squad. He is Pumpkinhead and Pumpkinhead. Oh. He is the Leviathan. He's the creature in Leviathan. So he was like lead suit actor in a lot of Winston <laughs> yeah. joints. Yeah, you guys need a creature in a suit. I'm yeah, man. he's the Graboid in Tremors. He he's the lead alien in this. He's Goro in oh. uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, he's the man in the suit. Ah. <laughs> he is the lion and the crocodile in Jumanji. Ah. And he plays, he, he does the alien in, in one of the resurrection as well. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so he is, he is incredible. He, I think that the way he moves in the suit, I think having one of the special effects guys that created the suit help work on it, it, you get a kind of a better performance because I think that they're not as afraid to like move in something because he, he knows how, how it can sure. move. And I feel like you get some really cool uh, visuals with mm-hmm. him in that suit. I think he is really phenomenal in this film. We'll talk about some of the issues with sure. special effects because the special effects are phenomenal in this, and I feel like sometimes you don't get to appreciate it as much. Yeah. There's there's some problems. For sure. But yeah, Tom Woodruff Jr. is amazing. Yeah, good tidbits there. Let's get into this. This being a first-time watch, I did take a lot of notes, but also I was consumed with the movie. So. For sure, yeah. Anyway, we'll As go, you should be. It's go with normal. Go with what I got here. So, <laughs> well, we start out on uh, Planet Fury 161, a maximum security prison. These are the events right after Aliens, and Ripley is our only survivor as she left there with Hicks and Newt, and they did not make it. So, what do you guys think about? I guess it's probably the first 15, 20 minutes. There's some dialogue, but not much. It's very sparse. It's very visual. And a lot of it is told through, not montage, but you get the credits with these flashes of what's happening on the Sulaco. I will I will say for me, these these first like 20-ish minutes are some of my favorite of the movie. I, I love the visual image of the planet, especially when we're outside. 
these cold, gray... I think it's insane that this movie exists the way it does. This movie costs three times as much as Aliens. Mm -hmm. It is dark, depressing. Alien is a weird fucking movie with a rape monster. But essentially, it is a slasher flick in space. Like, it is a crowd-pleasing film. Aliens, crowd-pleasing action film. Well, Aliens, and you get a lot of levity with Aliens as well. Like, it's, it's fun action. It is really good action. Mm-hmm. There are some very tense moments, mm-hmm. and obviously the effects are insane. It's it's a beautiful film. It, there's levity in both of those films. But you get a moment, and mm-hmm. they're they're joy rides. They yeah. they are that is what you're seeking when you're going to an action flick or a horror film. Like you you get those notes hit. This film, I can't imagine a studio greenlighting this movie as written mm-hmm. and done. It is dark, depressing, there is no levity, there is nothing, there is there is no joy in this film. It is it is a very mean movie that is hitting the audience in the face with violence, spirituality that is kind of fucking stupid, mm-hmm. and just... And cult-like, it's very cult-like. It, it's just sure. insane. This yeah. movie is insane. A major franchise... For this to be the entry, and that's I think that's part of like my fascination with this mm-hmm. movie is that this is a weird fucking movie that should not exist, especially in the studio system. The violence is so mean, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that in the first two films there isn't graphic things that happen. There is great opening, and yeah, this this probably some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Just him, him finding her, him yeah. running with her. Well, what do you think of like the setup, like the the mm-hmm. intercutting between like the credits oh, I, and like all the shit that's happening? I was completely fine with it. And Would, you think it's a good method for like the storytelling? It is, and as someone who didn't remember much of this movie, it, it's if you're paying enough attention, it's easy to know what is probably going to be happening to Ripley because of the way that they sh- they have those edits and just the realization that she is the one. That is alive. Yeah. So I kind of like the no dialogue and just drinking in the scenery of mm-hmm. this and it building the story that way. Yep. From this initial setup, is the death of Newt and Hicks so much that it turned you off to the film? Because that was a problem for audiences. Well, you're asking the wrong guy here because I, it doesn't bother me at all. The theatrical cut? Yes. I hate it. Where we end on Aliens and the, the journey you go through with Newt and with Hicks, and I hate that it's like, well, they're going to die off screen in a very uneventful way. If we're speaking logically with things that happen to Ripley, that's the most logic. It it really (laughs) is. Like, of course, she's got this little family. They're not going to go back to Earth, hang out in Portland or whatever, and just chill. Obviously, they're going to die off screen, and she's going to be thrown on a cop. We're having another alien movie. (laughs) You know it's not going to be a good start. Yeah, so... <laughs> so I will say, assembly cut, love it. How how is that different with that characterization, or what what do they do to those characters? It's, it's explained the same way. Okay. It's done quicker. Just quicker. Yeah, okay. it doesn't. Gotcha. It's way more thrown away. That's yep. exactly it. Yeah, that happened, but now this is what's happening. Gotcha. You still get the autopsy and the funeral, but it is kind of robbed of some dramatic heft. Yeah. I guess. Okay. I get you. Uh, yeah, we learn the the planet is full of male inmates. Uh, a woman shows up and disrupts their routines and sexual appetites. 
Uh, I, I do think that uh, this movie is does good at showing how males react when there is no woman ar around for them and a sense of, of, of being barbaric, but also just like how they congregate. The novelization of this is done by Alan Dean Foster, and he, he's incredible. He did novelizations for the other two films in the franchise as well. I don't know if he did one on Resurrection, I can't remember. I reread it for this episode, and he, I think you would love, I mean, I don't think you would ever actually want to read this, but I think you'd love this, the way he describes mm -hmm. Clemens initially finding Ripley is, it, it talks about how he, whenever he realizes mm -hmm. that this is a woman, and he's like more reserved than the other guys, obviously, yeah. and he, if the way it's written is it stirs in him seeing a feminine form for the first time mm -hmm. in how long, yeah. and then he like carries her off, and then whenever in this film we meet the two other guys and he's like, you know, go check for the other bodies, yeah. see if there's anyone else in the ship, whatever. They, the way he describes it is he's hiding her because he doesn't want them to see sure. it because he's uh -huh. aware of they're right. going to rip her apart. Mm -hmm. And he describes it very brutally. <laughs> it is very just Man. this barbaric yeah. lust of yeah. not seeing the feminine form and then all of a sudden seeing anything that's kind of female, right. they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That hunger. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, absolutely. This film does do a good job of displaying that. Yeah, I, I think so. We meet Clemens. Uh, he's played by Charles Dance. Seems to be an ally uh, from, <laughs> and and I say that because it just seems that all like kind of what we just talked about. Yeah. All the other guys seem definitely like something bad is, could happen at any moment, and he at least shows. Some sort of morality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Lannister. That's right. He looks yeah. a man that has aged like a fine wine. He looks incredible in this, but he looks really great. Yeah. Really great as he does. Lannister. He does. Uh, last action hero. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know. Yeah. As we, again, we just talked about this, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, the men, because Melanie just mentioned this, the men on this planet haven't seen uh, a woman in many years. And including Charles Dance. That's my understanding. Yeah. As Stacy mentioned a little bit ago, we do have a examination of Newt's body uh, because Ripley sees something on her. She sees evidence of the acid oil uh, yes. on the outside of her um, sleep chamber. With right. Pods. Yeah. So she already is in kind of oh crap mode here that yeah. probably something bad is going on. Uh, so yeah, she believes an ops an autopsy needs to be performed on Newt's body. Clemens goes ahead and does the autopsy. We should say Clemens is the doctor on yes. this planet. And at this point, I haven't mentioned it. We also meet um, a, a number of the inmates and also our warden, who I think he I, I forgot his actor name, but I think he's really Brian good. Glover. Yeah. Brian Glover, thank you. It's good. Yeah, your last name, your cousin. Yeah, that's why I know it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, ass. <laughs> he's uh he's good in this movie as well. Do you like it, Aaron and Andrews? Just because the dynamic changes obviously later on, mm -hmm. where Aaron has a big character shift. Sure. But they're just like shitsters. Yeah. The warden and his number two guy. Yeah. They're just like going around with their it's arms folded, good. like mm -hmm. what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. And they're just pissy. I really like it. I do too. I think they have a really good yeah. relationship. Because he comes in like while they're doing right after the autopsy is being performed kind of upset. I didn't give you permission to do this and whatnot. We have to go back just a beat. Yes. I think Sir Lenny, during the autopsy of her like 
scaling up on like trying to find mm-hmm. that there's evidence of an alien presence on Newt. Yeah. I think it's really good acting. I feel mm-hmm. it's well, yeah, and she says to her before she starts, like, forgive me. Yeah. yeah she, like, she's it's very fucked sad up. and it's, she knows how messed up the situation it, is. I think well. the autopsies, the autopsy scene is very effective. I do too. And they, they show restraint. Yeah, the sounds are enough, really. Until you get the shot, or until he opens the chest. And then they have that insert shot of like a chest opening, and it's just like, oh. But for me, but it's like a ten-year-old girl. Yeah, like, you say, fuck. You say it's reserved because they're not showing her body, which I'm happy mm-hmm. about. But Clemens is just chucking his tools with <laughs> one all over them, just throwing them to the side as he's like ripping into this little girl, which is also all of it is fucked. It's just so messed up. Yeah. But it's highly effective scene, and I think the acting in that mm-hmm. during that whole segment is phenomenal. Lungs. Flooded with fluid. Ergo, she drowned. Now, since I'm not a complete idiot, would you like to tell me what we're really looking for? All the emotional beats in this film kind of hit for me because I, I feel like when I watch movies, I have a lot of empathy. And I'm very affected by storytelling. So this movie, I I don't know. Yeah. The, the shit just hits me. So after this autopsy, Ripley is Ripley is is basically telling Clemens that she thinks Newt might have some sort of disease. Cholera. That, that could be Well, and spread. I do I do like that she says cholera and he knows she's not right. He's like there's been no cases in two hundred years. But even regardless of that, he can tell that he's like, "What the fuck is going yeah, on?" Yeah, he asks her multiple times, and she won't answer for now. But mm-hmm. she does say, "Just trust me." And to his credit, he does. Yeah, pretty quickly yep. they have a a kinship. Yep. Where he's just like, "Okay, I'm gonna." Yeah, I'll yep. I'll go ahead and. He does it. Her. So they have so. They do incinerate the bodies. They have a funeral. I thought this was a really beautiful scene, personally. I think all the stuff that Charles Dutton says is great. Yeah. I, 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 or Dylan, I should say. His little monologue here is nice. Mm-hmm. It, I, again, I think this is an emotional beat that hits. It's sad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ripley crying and her eye being so fucked up, it looks really good. From the funeral? Yeah. Well, so you get that intercut with the birth oh, of the God. alien. I wrote that down. You have the... And, and it's beautiful when because Charles has done like his speech and he's talking about new life and the cuts between like the duality. The, the, the baby alien being born. Well, Again, he, one of my favorite segments of this film. I, he I also says so for every life lost, there's no uh, life given. I, I'm sorry. What's our um, our character's name? The preacher type character. Dylan. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Like it hits real hard. I mean, he's like, she'll never know the pain of being older. The pain of us left behind. Yeah, it's like, that shit's hard. Why the pain? There aren't any promises. Nothing certain. Only that some get called, some get safe. She won't ever know the hardship and grief for those of us left behind. We commit these bodies to the void with a glad heart. 
within each seed, there is a promise of a flower. And within each death, no matter how small, there's always a new life. A new beginning. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love the editing here and also just the images, I think, really stand out to me. It's it's amazing. How good does that alien flopping out? Oh, it's great. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's a good the, puppet. The, mm -hmm. the puppet work. The Bambi. Yeah, and even yeah, as, the Bambi puppet. Like, as that little guy comes out and runs across the screen, it, it all looks good in that whole scene. I, yeah. So in the theatrical cut, it's not an ox. It is oh. a. It's a dog. So they completely it's like changed. A, it's like a rock. It's a Rottweiler. Oh. And the Rottweiler is live and the chestburster oh, wow. burst out. How does and it it's look? not the Bambi. It's just the normal chestburster. And it, it looks fine. I mean, you know. I yeah. I like this so much. The Bambi more. is better. And I like the scene leading up to that where it's like, what would you say to her? Mm -hmm. And you know, the you you treat a queen like a whore and a whore like a queen. <laughs> just yeah. the mm -hmm. Prison talk. Yeah, yeah, then bringing the oxen in and yeah. all that stuff. And, yeah, and I love the aside of, like, that scene ends, and he's like, wait, and he holds up the face hugger, <laughs> and it's this massive face hugger, one right. we've never seen before, one that's mm -hmm. so fucking big and scary, mm -hmm. and he's just holding it up, like, and the scene this? just ends, like, <laughs> ah, that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, that it's kind of thrown away, because obviously the audience is like, Oh, like yeah, yeah. like he's just like, shit. Well, look what we found today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty this sure. Weird vagina with balls. Yeah, right. If yeah. any other human anywhere, if you see something like that and you don't know about this, you yeah. don't have any point of reference, and you just see this, you'd be like, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. It is this one's not moving, mm -hmm. but I don't know what this is. Yeah, it is a <laughs> vagina would with be testicles. With a penis that comes out of it, I would with be, yeah. eight legs, I would be questioning everything I know in life. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm highly arachnophobic. We've talked about it last year. We covered arachnophobia. Mm -hmm. The face hugger is something that it. I have, ugh, I've had nightmares about. I yeah. just it. Yeah, it's a it's a scary thing. Yeah. Well, and it, there's a moment in this film, Nolan, that you laughed, mm -hmm. and it caught me because I, the reason, and you might tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but. It's when later in the movie, and we'll probably get to this. I don't even know if you wrote it in your notes, yeah. but they're asking how did the alien get there inside of her, mm -hmm. and she was like, "I, I, what is her exact wording? Like, I was um, violated." Yeah, mm -hmm. and you chuckled. I did. Is it finally that somebody in the series is putting to words yeah, that, like, you are being orally raped yeah. by a weird vagina uh -huh. penis monster? Yeah, that's exactly what got me. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's fucked. Geeger, baby. Yeah. Geeger. Yeah, <laughs> no, you absolutely nailed it, man. <laughs> so, I, and then the last, the last image I just want to say about this scene as well is just when their two bodies go into the furnace or fire with whatever they're putting them in. I just, I love how they kind of float down into that furnace. I think it it's looks a really so much better thing. than the shot we get later. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> I 100% agree. This, this with shot that. does look really great. Yeah. 
This is uh, when we, I'm just going to say the name that I messed up on. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and just do an audible. His mm-hmm. name's Golik. For the rest of this episode, it's Garlic. It's Garlic. All right. Love it. You meet him and a couple of inmates, and I'm guessing they're people he rooms with. They okay. all work together because they have to do different things to, they're kind of like colony. Yeah. Like they're. So they're complaining to Dylan about how he smells and his overall hygiene level, well, from what I can tell. They're like, he's psychotic and he stinks. Yeah. So they do know they don't want to be with him anymore, but Dylan's like, you know what? You gotta put up with it because this is this is what's happening. Ripley gets a bit of a makeover. At this point, she does get her head shaved and is wearing the same clothes as the inmates. We also learn during this time this is a faith-based prison uh, waiting for for God to return, a Christian fundamentalist type of religion. Do you guys have, any, have anything extra you do want to you, say? Do you like all the Charles Dance monologue to like oh, yeah. explain everything that's going on? Absolutely. Like he's a great actor and it's... Mm-hmm. Dance and Dutton, I think that they have a lot of moments where they're just kind of pontificating on different yeah. things and it's good. It's, yeah. it's good for, again, for them not having a script, it is mm-hmm. crazy that they're this quality of yeah, and for them not having a script, like, so much of the movie is, like, so well thought out and... And explained. Explained. Thoroughly, thoroughly explained. And it seems like they have a lot on their mind. Mm-hmm. Sure. And everyone seems committed. I don't know. This yeah. is kind of a different thing, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. So, a lot of the the other inmates, so not necessarily... Well, dance does, but... They, a lot of them have very, like, Golik has very bright blue eyes, yeah. and I really love the, I'm sure that's not why any of them were hired or cast, but I like that in this dull world. Yeah, the contrast. Is... Like, the blue eyes, especially later with mm-hmm. things that happen to Golik, and it's very, his blue eyes become very, very blue. Yeah. I so That's, like, one little pop of this that, mm-hmm. on this watch, that I was like, their eyes really stand out. Yeah. Because there's no color. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I just want to say is the aesthetics are both similar. There's just a, it, it's more, more dull outside than it is on the interior spaces, even though they're, they're both very dull. There's little bits of faded yellow and some, In the yeah. armory, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It, I really wish we could have spent a little more time outside because I was so fascinated yeah. by what we were seeing outside of the prison. So yeah. that's one. Not like a a major complaint. It's just something I, I mean, wish I could have spent more time else with. Kind of gets claustrophobic. Uh-huh. I'm not. I, I shouldn't say that. It's not that close quarters, but it's like we definitely tighten up. Where at the beginning you have those beautiful wide shots. Yeah, absolutely. And the characters are so small in the, those mm-hmm. moments, and it's it everything feels so big and open. Right. And then we go indoors. And sure. Every, but I'm sure that's intentional. Yeah, yeah. Everything For is sure. locked down. There is a lot of the Nostromo. Each section of the prison does have its own distinct look, and I think the mm-hmm. way that they light those sets is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. You guys were saying the infirmary, it has this very, like, creamy mm-hmm. look. The the arbitrator, it has this rustic golden metal look. Uh-huh. The cafeteria is very, it reminds me a lot of the Aliens cafeteria, like, where it's very blue and yeah, white. Mm-hmm. Silvery. Yeah. It, it's very, like, sharp colors yeah and then we get down to the bot the furnace the tunnels <laughs> like leading to the lead work and, yeah. and it is Rust. like a nine inch nails music yeah. video speaking of let's go right into kind of our first taste of that as we're going to get our first kill here yep so old murphy love this scene as yeah this guy murphy is 
I don't even know what he's doing down there, to he's be honest. Like, he's cleaning, but he's also singing, it sounded like, In the Year 2525 by Zagar and Evans. Yeah. The 60s folk song. Yeah. And, but he's, it really is just the fan spinning and him and singing his, that folk song. He meets an untimely deaf, deaf ears. He notices as he's cleaning this fan area. Yeah, just the... He picks up something. Yeah, it's like, what is this? He kind of goes down to this manhole-looking area, looks down in there, thinks... I guess he thinks one of his friends got dragged down there. What is... In the original cut, it probably makes more sense. I think he's calling for Spike, which is the Rottweiler, I think. Yes. Okay, I know so he he's trying he to, calling for something, but he I thinks wasn't that, sure. I think in the original cut, it is he thought the dog was down there. Because the dog's But the dog's missing. not in there in the okay. well, assembly the... cut. Yeah, but the yeah yeah the dog's not in this, but the dog at that point because the alien's already been birthed from the dog, so yeah. the dog's gone, right? And they just think like, oh, you're hiding in one of these like yeah. ducks, okay? Yeah, it's because he says Spike. I'm he does. Sure. Yeah, the alien is down there. I love the shot of him looking in, and you can see the alien. It looks great. Yeah, it's so creepy. It looks so good. It's really good. And he's just like, what are you doing mm-hmm. down there, Spike? Yeah, and then. Our Ooh. first instance in the franchise of them actually spitting acid. Yeah. Yeah, the acid gets spit on him, and then he loses his balance, falls into the fan, and gets chopped. Yes. <laughs> what do you think of that chop? Amazing. <laughs> I feel like so many video games stole this. Yeah. Where, oh, like, yeah. you go into a fan, and you get chopped up and exploded. But I do, I just love the, as soon as you see that big fan and him standing there, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like mm-hmm. someone's going through that. Thing. You're it's you're a big fan of the chunky gore in this. Oh hell yeah, there's, there's a lot. Of, there's he, a lot of good. It's good not good just the chunky. In. He likes the mean. I do. I love gore. the mean chunky. It's this movie's the meanest <laughs> with the 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 tongue hitting head. Oh, just, I feel like the tongue puncture in it, the heads is so honestly, graphic. Again, if you watch the documentary, they have where <laughs> there's a really funny segment. One of the effects guys has one of the heads and. He's hitting it, and blood squirts out. Fincher is oh. over there with his arms crossed. Uh-huh. Hit it again. And the guy just, like, hits it, and he's like... And, like, blood squirts. He's like, that's cool. <laughs> and he's like, do it again. And, like, the guy does it again, and it just squirts. Love he's that. like, that'll work. <laughs> that, but his problem was there wasn't <laughs> enough brown in the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's or, like, that's not the, the right color. You need a better, better color of blood there. But it's so... Yeah, it's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, next up, I have uh, Ripley and Clemens get their fuck on. Um, so, you know, good for them. Especially, I mean, neither of them have seemed to have sex in quite oh, a So, time. you gotta think, like, the last time that Ripley had sex was probably before Alien, when they went to hypersleep, because I, I think it's hinted that in Alien, like, they all have sex with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, that's something that I love about that world, is they are all very much, like, lived-in co-workers, uh-huh. and, like, they... Yeah, there's there's definitely relationships were had. Because like there was a thing with the script in the original film of like Ash is weird because none of the women have had sex with him. Yeah. <laughs> but they've had sex with everyone else. Her and Hicks never got together. Like yeah, they they don't consummate their relationships. So, but it, it, if you think about it in terms of like Ripley being conscious, it's like from the first like Alien to now, what she's got like a few weeks lived life in reality how many what like, 87 88 years that's the, a big dry spell yeah, yeah for sure because <laughs> yeah. she's in the hypersleep for the majority of her life yeah mm-hmm. oh man your skin would be beautiful though I'm that's sure true very true i wrote down things that we've already talked about but i'm just gonna say anyway i i just 
I'd watched enough of the movie to kind of get my feelings on, yes, this is a Fincher film. Everything is completely making sense on every. So anyway, I just said it's very industrial, procedural, clinical, cold. Fincher's flourishes are on display here. You see the breadcrumbs of what the director would become. Um, and it's easy to see his work on commercial and music videos here, particularly in the videos uh, he worked on for Nine Inch Nails, which we all talked about. Earlier. Yeah, I think you and I were talking about before yeah. we started recording about how this is a very sensible bridge between his music video mm -hmm. work and his film work. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I write this down later, but I just got to say it's this is such a well-directed movie, especially for being a debut from someone. After that Ripley and Clemens have their time together, she is wondering where Bishop is. So she goes to find... She needs a computer that can read the flight recorder, and they don't have any technology on the planet. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Clemens has been requested by the warden because the company has put in a special order for Ripley to be quarantined and for her to be protected. And what company is that? Uh, Wayland Utani. <laughs> I do like that they just call it the company. The company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie adds so much to the lore behind Wayland Utani. I, I do too, but I, I have some things where, again, at this point, Ripley's been through it two times. Mm -hmm. Girl, you know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And she acts surprised. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's you a good know. point. Good point. There's this conflict with the prisoners of not wanting mm -hmm. a woman on the planet because it disrupts mm -hmm. their religion. And that comes into play here when Ripley recovers Bishop. She goes to the to the uh the crash of the Sulaco, the the uh escape pod, mm -hmm. and she recovers Bishop, who's all fucked up, and this British motherfucker looking like Riddick comes out with his rape goggles. Well, his, his, <laughs> here's the thing. His goggles are... Right? They're Riddick goggles. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not on yet. They're on his head. He, he has to fasten them on yeah. later. And, and they're not... It definitely reminded me of Riddick. It also had, like, a little bit of um, Fury Road as yeah. goggles, too. Which... Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't uh, ripping British people. All the actors in this movie, except for Charles S. Dutton, are British. And Soren. And Soren. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said <laughs> it doesn't like as as he's putting the dog. It's, it's playing like that old school music. like. Re-educate some of the brothers. We've got to discuss some matters of the spirit. As, as he's putting the dog, it's, it's playing like that old school. Music. Like this segment will come up in category. 
stories, just so you know. Okay. Because I <laughs> I have a real bone to pick. So Charles S. Dutton beats the fuck out of these guys, mm-hmm. and he's like, I gotta give the brothers some teachings or whatever. Yeah. yeah, well, he's like... And there's, like, brains on his, he, like, crowbar. Yeah, he has, like, a metal mm-hmm. pipe that's all rusted out, yeah. and he just bashes <laughs> these boys in, and he's like, you go ahead, you go yeah. on, I gotta talk to the brothers about some shit. That's right. He is someone that normally you get a warmth from. He's a little he's, scary in that moment. <laughs> he could be scared a few times. Also, like, I got a little scared the first time Ripley talks to him. Thank you for the beautiful funeral you had for Thank the people I love. Thank you for saying what you said. Yeah, you don't know me. You just go fucking well, off. Well, he's like, I'm a rape of women, a murderer. <laughs> she meets that energy. Oh, so yeah. I make you uncomfortable. Yeah. He is. He's a sweet dude, and also he's brutal. So uh, after this happens, the two guys that we mentioned earlier that were with Garlic, they're on some sort of mission. Everyone's cleaning up shit or they're doing reconnaissance or what, whatever they're doing on their little... The company left them behind and abandoned the planet, but they, the this religious sect stayed behind as custodians of the, the planet. And they're, they cho- they're there voluntarily. They chose yeah. to be there. Sure. Either way, they After. have a life sentence. It's just this yeah. is where they're choosing to serve it. Yes. Right. Now, Clemens doesn't have since he's we'll choosing right. this sure. as retribution. So these three go out um, and the alien uh, gets a feast on the two guys that were ripping our dear friend Garlic. Garlic makes it out. But what's left of him really? He is a shell of the former self. Also during this, I think it really puts a key on like kind of how we'll go compositionally for the rest of the film through a lot of tunnels and, and corridors. I think also that's in comparison, lies with the other movies, with birth and having something growing inside you. The the corridors through here, though, mm-hmm. the, the section that we're in here, the, like what Stacy said, this is very reminiscent of the Nostromo one. Absolutely. And going down those kind of triangular, mm-hmm. long, sprawling hallways. Yeah. That seemed never-ending. Yeah. So, anyway, another scene I, I, I really enjoyed yeah. here. Bishop, or Ripley finally gets Bishop up and running to a certain extent. He confirms that an alien was on board with them. I'm home. What happened on the Sulaco? Why were our cryotubes ejected? Stasis interrupted. Fire in cryogenic compartment. Repeat. Fire in cryogenic. What happened? What started the fire, Bishop? Can you hear me? The fire was electrical. It was in the subflooring. Did the sensors pick up anything moving around on the ship prior to separation? It's very dark here, Ripley. I'm not what I used to be. Just tell me. Does the recorder indicate anything? Was there an alien on board? Yes. Is it on the Sulaco, or did it come with us in the UV? It was with us all the way. As they, how do you think this effect was done? Do you think it's a makeup or an animatronic? I'm gonna say animatronic, but I really don't. You're correct. Okay, but so it still looked. The, it's Lance insane. doing voice sync with a a robot, like an actual, like an animatronic mm-hmm. of Bishop. Like, I was I was kind of blown away by this effect. There's a lot of goo going on. <laughs> I really liked it. I don't know. Goo gone. Yeah. And I love Bishop. I love Lance's voice. I just 
I it's nice to have him back the little bit that we get, and yeah. it's the right amount. Mm-hmm. I love the bit like when she plugs him in for the first time. He's like, "My legs hurt." <laughs> well, and also because he like lost him in the last movie. But I also I like your new haircut. Yeah, like it's very mm-hmm. sweet. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, after he gives her this information, he basically says to unplug me, kill me, because I don't want to. He's like, like they'll this. reset me. You're I right. can't be reset, but I'll never be top of the line, so uh-huh. it's not worth it. Yeah. Which so. just makes me flash back to in Aliens, where she's talking about, um, she kind of confronts Bishop how whenever she finds out that he's an artificial and she freaks out in the dining room. I just love whenever he's like Ash and they sell whatever model number he is, and he's like, oh yeah, they're always a bit twitchy. And he's just like, no, I'm top of the line. Like he takes such pride in his all of his mechanics. I really like that. So I love that yeah. he's like, I'll never be as good as I once was. Yeah. So unplug me. Earlier, garlic survived, and he claims. It kills me that you're saying garlic. <laughs> he claims, and this is something I, I really like garlic, by the way, but one of my favorite things he does is he calls the alien a dragon. And I you love didn't that. even talk about so he comes back, which we don't have to cover everything, sure. obviously. He he comes back covered in blood. blood all over and his this face. is what I'm talking about with his blue eyes. Yeah. You realize how crystal clear mm-hmm. blue those eyes are because he is yeah. coated in this dark red and brown blood. Yeah. And he's just eating cereal <laughs> and slurping milk. It's a good out of the sequence. Bowl. It's great. Mm-hmm. He has so the custodian, like whoever fixes their meals, like comes into the mess hall. All and the are Golik is just sitting there, garlic, with, please, <laughs> with a pitcher of milk and just like devouring cereal. And he looks up, smiling. And he's got those fucked up, weird teeth. That's like right. they look that, like that look like their teeth, but their gums, like they're like grown mm-hmm. over with flesh or something. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah, they're really weird. And <laughs> he's just got this blood caked on his face, which remains for the rest of the film. Nobody, true, nobody well, washed him. They take him to the infirmary and they just chain him to a like they put him in a straight jacket, chain him to a bed, and they're like, that's it. But there's like crusty bits hanging off. Oh. Like he got some like old he, fleshies. Well during yeah. during that scene he gets sh- just showered. Yeah. Showered in uh-huh. blood yeah, it and looks great. sinew mm-hmm. and body parts of his former friends. Yeah. It was a dragon. <laughs> yeah, so like basically everybody thinks he's crazy on board. So Ripley is basically is like we're effed here. So she goes to talk to as soon as she the hears, warden. yeah, as soon as she hears him describe it, like he yeah. says dragon, she's like, she opens up, the curtain, like what? <laughs> I know what this is mm-hmm. because that's appropriately describing what the fuck right. this thing does. Yeah. It's ripping through people like a dragon. Yes, mm-hmm. it's got a tail. Yeah. I know what this is. Yeah. I also love the Dylan part in the scene of like the warden yells at Ripley, like he's a rapist and a murderer, and then Dylan, it's like. He's all those things, but he's never lied to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guys that were trying to assault Ripley, he loves those guys. Mm-hmm. And he's well, like... And he loves Ripley, even though she's the... A temptress. <laughs> yeah. She's the one who is putting all this strife into their community. Temptress and also the bringer of Clegg, because right. she brought this dragon mm-hmm. upon them. Yeah, She really flipped all these guys upside down. Yeah, yeah their whole world got mm-hmm. just rickrolled. Absolutely. You can even tolerate the intolerant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. So Ripley goes to to tell the crew about the alien, what has happened here. They are not fully grasping everything that they're telling her. Which is, like, nobody believes her through the whole series. Yeah. Right. If No, she's constantly just a woman having the worst day ever, just trying to get people in order, and they don't care. 
Yeah. Uh, again, I just wrote down garlic is my dude, just so everybody knows. Do you like that when anytime they're in the infirmary now, for like the next little bit, mm-hmm. that he's just over in the corner, not interacting <laughs> with anybody, and he'll just say stuff? Yeah. It's he, very like old Greg. He has absolutely <laughs> lost it. I already said this, but Fincher's skills as a director are impressive. Don't care about his negative attitude his about that he has towards yeah. this movie. His camera movements, compositions, and shot selections I find to be pleasing. Now, anyway, I know I talked about that, but I had it written down again, so there we go. Clemens opens up to Ripley. They have like a, a personal. What do you think kind of, of this uh, the story? Like it's pretty tragic the guilt that he feels. Yeah, it's his character is very tragic. Ultimately, it's it comes to I think a nice end there where I really like that you have this moment where he kind of confesses to her. There's mm-hmm. a confessional moment, and they close out their relationship. It's it's a really Great pacing. And it's kind of a bummer what happens next, but... So we get the shock kill yeah. of Clemens. They kind of do the alien thing so where they killed Dallas early on, where it's mm-hmm. like this shock kill of, in this, you, you're killing your best actor right. on screen. When it when it happens... It builds up to everything, <laughs> and this is so phenomenal. It is it's great. And when it happened, I think I audibly went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's the most brutal... <laughs> alien kiss like the Mm -hmm. tongue smashes his head and you see all of it in frame so you have caves his head and there's so much blood you have garlic kind of like spying on them having this you know tender moment and he's whatever being a little perv and then the dragon descends into the the bed next to him we're not seeing the alien at all you're seeing Mm -hmm. shadows reflection in the chrome bars of next to the bed or whatever yeah and you see Golik's reaction to this, and I just love that the alien bursts through the curtain and grabs his head. He is alive for so much of this struggle. Yeah. Just these huge alien sausages mm-hmm. holding his head. It just is very creepy to me. Well, that's something about this film. This monster is not very efficient. Like, mm-hmm. everybody is alive for a long time while they're getting murdered. I think the, the first... It's pretty fucked. Yeah. And I I also think that it is interesting that in Ridley's film, the original, the alien is doing weird stuff. So it it's has split. that insert shot. It's standing on the bed next to him. Yeah. So it's like standing on a bed taller than he is. Raised up even more than it's like eight feet, grabs him. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that shot. Too, I though. really. Mm-hmm. No. I love because it goes from his eye, it goes from Golik's eyes to the bed right. underneath, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's very it's a weird building suspense. But I do like the difference between the alien in the first film is such a slick. It's it's weird. It's doing bizarre things, but it's very animalistic and smart. It's kind of like a like a a tiger or a shark where it's very smart in what it's doing mm-hmm. but this one is very it kind of feels like the freshman clunking around the hallways like, uh, sure. i'm a murderer i'm gonna mm-hmm. kill you but i don't know how to do it yeah <laughs> it's very it's a yeah. very clumsy boy yeah. mm-hmm. compared to the others for sure this kind of happens back to back uh the warden also gets killed in a very similar fashion yeah. shocking mm-hmm. he's like i was know, not expecting that either yeah so that happens not to spoil, but this is probably my personal favorite laugh, laughing moment. There's a janitor that is cleaning up the bloody mess of that's what left. It's is so... Left and he's, like, looking up, like, God damn it. 
I love the moment before, like when the janitor's first taken, mm-hmm. and you see just the blood, or not the janitor, I'm sorry, the warden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When Brian Glover's first taken up, and you just see the blood pouring out, but one of the guys grabs a chair and just, fuck! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the janitor cleaning up. It's us. so good. Yeah. yeah. At this point, we get a little bit of a shift where Ripley starts to work with the inmates to figure out a way to kill the alien. Ripley, at this point, we're noticing that she has not been feeling well. There's been little points of it throughout the movie, but here we start to see she's getting fatigued easily and losing and, and looking a bit sickly. She got that morning sickness. That's right. I'm going. I, I'm going to move along here. So if if I miss something, you guys want to say, please do. Just one really quick thing. Yes. And I'll let you kind of do your rapid fire, but. We did miss in the infirmary after mm-hmm. Bones is killed. We get the alien come up, the and it, you think it's gonna be another alien kiss. Oh yeah, the, the uh, iconic shot. The iconic shot. We did. Yeah, and for some reason the alien kind of like sniffs around her and uh-huh. then leaves. Yeah, and she's just left there crumpled up like, and crying. Why didn't this thing kill her? What yeah. happened here? And then we move into where there's been other moments where she's kind of delirious and kind of seeing things not yeah. quite as they are. Yeah, like. She thinks she thinks there's that one scene where she's down below and she's like thinks that she sees the alien, but it's like a pipe that she ends up hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So this sequence I love a lot. This kind of happens twice in the movie where they have to formulate a plan and then execute that plan, putting this plan in place, and you get a lot of like banter between the prisoners. It's like we have a montage of a plan, plans in place, men on a mission. Like, shit's getting done, and then, oh shit. I really liked the little shot here of the match falls, and he just uses just a small bit of slow motion for for that match to fall, and I really liked that as far as anticipating that. Well, and all the people kind of looking over like, fuck. Mm-hmm. It grabbing him in the shaft, it kind of is reminiscent of Dallas's death from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is this the most stuntmen lit on fire <laughs> in a scene that you can recall? It's wild. Oh, and real fire. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So as you say, fires everywhere, alien ups up their plan, explosions of bodies, everyone is on fire. This is where I want to, real quick, because this is when I really started to get annoyed with the look of the alien. And I want you guys to try explaining it, because I'm not going to do good at it. So this the there is only one true CGI, like, special effect in this film. Mm-hmm. It is when the alien in the lead works at the end of the movie, the head cracks. It's a very brief set of sequence. And it's, yeah, it's very quick. So for the rest of this film, if you're looking at it, it will look like the xenomorph is CGI. He mm-hmm. kind of has, like, this almost golden sheen around him. That is a, a rod puppet that they're... They're green screening out, and it's on plates. Beautiful rod puppet that moves great, and it looks really good. It has a lot of mobility in that it, when they move the head, it'll move the tail. Mm-hmm. Like, everything with it is very fluid and beautiful. It looks almost CGI because the lighting doesn't match. So it's this rod puppet. And, and I just want to say, I, I, with, I didn't know much about the effects work, what they were doing. until I had to have you guys kind of explain it to me because I thought it was... Just really poor early CGI. It's no, it's it's just this blending. Mm-hmm. It's for whatever reason the lighting on it and the plates that they're using it does not work. Looks like every single bit of this set is lit meticulously, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no way to recreate that lighting on these 
the rod puppet. Sure. So it looks off. I will say it didn't take me out of the movie. It's just something that you wish, when I'm enjoying something as much as I was, it's just a small annoyance that comes up. Well, that, it's a bummer because we see... You know how good it could look. Yeah, it well, does look good. In this cut, whenever the you know the chestburster, the alien comes out of the oxen at the beginning, mm-hmm. it's like that little, like that little puppeting so is amazing. Yeah. And then like it's lit well and it's just yeah. on, like it's perfect. Yeah. The mm-hmm. suit is pretty damn good. It's a yeah. good suit. This is like the biggest, one of the most frustrating things yeah. to me is For sure. that people think that they this film has really bad CGI effects and it doesn't. It has an incredible yeah. puppet that you can't see because it's not blended properly yeah. with the composite. It's yeah. just such a bummer. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point and I'm glad that I talked to you guys about it afterwards because I was on that fence where I, I really wasn't sure because I was like, but it still doesn't take you out of it. No, no. Still, it yeah, just, yeah. It, yep, absolutely. So after all this happens, the alien gets trapped. Even though bad stuff happened to the crew members, he still gets trapped. Yeah, they have a toxic waste dumping area where they burn up the toxic waste. One of the guys gets trapped and he uses himself as bait to get the alien stuck in there. But that's the plan is to trap the alien in there. And, and they just... succeed in that. Half the prisoners die from mm-hmm. the explosion. Yeah. And then from there, we get the plotting for the rest of the film. Garlic goes rogue. As you knew he would, baby. <laughs> As you knew yep. he would. And he gets let loose, and boy, does he let loose. Yeah. He has to see the dragon again. He does have to see the dragon. Um, he lets, he gets freed by another, guy, another prisoner. Yeah. and Because he's like, you know, he's going to be... He's, he's good. I think it's Morris you know? that lets him free. It, it is. Be. I think so. Because of the cigarettes. Yeah, that's right. Punches Just, a button. Yeah. He's like... Hello, my yep. leash. And that's the last we see of Well, Mr. there's Garland. a, uh, you know, he's very apologetic to everybody, but he's so driven to see the dragon yeah. again. That was because his... he slits a man's throat who's guarding that's right. he's like, the I'm alien. Sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, yep. the alien kills him off screen, surprisingly. Really, really yeah. great sound crunch. Good though. sound. Absolutely. Okay, the Whalen Corporation gets involved at this point. They basically are making contact back and forth. Who's. Who is the guy that's left in charge now? 85. 85, thank you. And Which, he, his, was Eric or? I can't remember. Yeah, Aaron. Aaron. It, Aaron. Yeah, it is yeah. Aaron, sorry. And Whalen tell the corporation tells them not to kill the alien. They want to pick it up and for it to be alive. There's also an important note where before this, um, where they're talking about the actual specimen that's on the station, they tell the uh, warden that he... Ripley is top priority. Right. Ripley has never been top priority yeah, before. That's true. All crew is expendable, so it's kind of an interesting note that no, she's top priority. We need to pick her up. Ripley, uh, during like a little bit after this, she is pretty sure at this point she has something major going on with her. Not feeling well. She's like, I'm gonna get to whatever it's called, the chamber, to get my body cat scanned. Aaron takes her into the what's left of the ship and they do an ultrasound on her they do a scan to where they yeah. can see what's i happening. like this scene mm-hmm. something really cool they the way that they did this they did uh different build-ups of skeleton parts and oh, okay. so they each piece they built out fully it's a real thing that you can touch and then they just overlaid it that's cool it's really neat it looks so awesome yeah the, yeah there's no cgi in any of those it's, a puppet. Scans. it's really yeah. good isn't it cool yeah Love this stuff.
What does it look like? Marble. I have to see it. Freeze it. You don't want to look at it. Freeze it. out she has an alien inside her and not just an alien the, the new queen that is inside her ripley knows at this point that she needs to die she tries to get dylan to kill her that's that's a no-go there he, he won't because his deal is if it won't kill you that means we have an advantage and and we get that scene that you referenced earlier where she goes to look for it in the basement Aaron says the whole place is a basement. She's like, yeah. it is a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like the whole thing mm -hmm. is like, yeah. you know, her dealing with this, like being such a part of her life uh -huh. now that it has just sunk her, her livelihood. Yeah. So she goes in the basement to seek it out and she sees it and you get this beautiful shot. That's kind of reminiscent of the, the shot in alien where mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. sneaks on to the shuttle where it's uh -huh. hiding in the, the pipes before she discovers it and starts singing uh, Sh Shining Star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really love that in this one, though. It kind of looks like it's just like laying there like, hey, girl. <laughs> yeah. And like as soon as she looks over, it's like, hey, mama. Yeah. So she busts the pipe and then she, you, she turns back and you get this great shot of it up above her in the pipes and it comes down. And it goes black, and that's when we get the scene with Charles S. Dutton, Dylan, where she's begging him to kill. Yeah. And she does, you get the the Joan of Arc, the, the mm -hmm. Christ Absolutely. like figure of her against the bars being crucified. Yeah. Being crucified uh -huh. And Dylan uh, slashes the axe above her and yeah. is like, This is an advantage. You don't die until this creature dies. We need you. Once that happens, I will kill you. It'll be quick and painless. Yeah. I think Stacy likes this more than me. But this is another one of my quibbles here. We start getting some alien point of view shots as it runs through these corridors. Hold up. Okay. You're going over one of the best parts. Of yeah, the I, I did like skip down on them. the company is coming and they expedite it to two hours out. Yeah. Right. And Aaron's like, hey, this is happening. We just need to sit tight. Once. Dylan and uh, Ripley have their conversation. It's like, no, we got to fight this thing. He's talking to the men. They discover that, like, hey, we have a working furnace here. We can trap it and kill it. He gives, in my opinion, one of the great sports speeches. Mm, yeah. Oh, fuck! We're all gonna die. The only question is when. This is as good a place as any to take your first steps to heaven. The only question is how you check out. Do you want it on your feet? Or on your fucking knees? Begging 
I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. That, that speech from him, for me, that's like Rocky Balboa. You know, the, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about hard hit, how hard you can get hit and keep going, keep fighting. So they're going through the corridors, and how this was achieved was literally a man with a study cam, and he yep. put an apparatus where he could kind of sling it around so it goes upside down to mimic the alien yep. climbing on the walls. And I do have to say, craft-wise, I think it is well done. My, really, I don't love it. My issue with it is, I think, formally, it doesn't match with what he's doing and kind of rhythmically throughout the film. That's my personal issue. I just, I think it, it, it takes me like out of it. Video the, yeah, it I does. don't like it. So that, that's yeah. my personal thought. Yeah, I so. agree. I love the use of the study cam. That's just a guy running down a hallway, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have not talked about this character at all. I just wrote in my notes at R.I.P. Pete. Also wait till he gets. But he doesn't really have his character. Use, so yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Great actor. Uh, he, his Bye, big David. scene in this is, and it's only in the assembly cut, but it's where they explain where the name eighty five comes from for Aaron. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. really his big dialogue scene. Sure. So the Wayland Corporation arrives. Uh, we have kind of this whole scene where Dylan basically sacrifices his life again. Uh, Ripley is like, let me go, I need to die. And he's like, no. So he takes on the alien and fights it, doesn't make it out. And we also have this, go ahead, talk about oh, what, I, I love the scene. what all this happens. Yeah, it's really good. So you, you get the, the alien vision, the running through the tunnels. It, it is confusing. I, I can see like some complaints where spatially... It, it's weird kind of what's going on and like what doors are being closed and how things are being closed off. But the stuff with Dylan at the end, I love mm -hmm. where they get it finally trapped into the lead works and something just really quickly. I want to note that it was kind of, this is something that's taken from the Vincent Ward story. So whenever it was a wooden monastery planet, so this whole sequence is still in that story and it was they all the stained glass that they make. This what? was a glass works. Oh, so at the end, they were gonna pour the, yeah. the molten hot hot glass on him, which I just love. I feel like usually yeah. that could have been really good. That, but I that love, sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, but, but this I, worked too. Yeah, yeah, this is great, and I do love the the whole alien running at mm -hmm. Dylan. I think it looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that really shot well looks shot. great, and I love like he's got some nice Yafet Koto uh, oh, energy sure. going, yeah. where like. This guy's gonna fist fight this thing, and He's gonna there's die. a chance he could fucking win. Like, well, I love the, like, that's how you fight, pussy. Yeah. I, I love this sequence. Yeah. yeah, it's all, it. yeah, it's good stuff. Eventually, the alien does meet its maker and explodes in pretty great fashion after it, like, it makes it through the, the pouring, the pouring. And then when it comes out, she, because earlier in the film, we see, a pail that's covered in lead that once the water pours on it cracks it, it cracks and explodes so we, we get that with the alien and that's where we get our cgi shot the the head mm -hmm. cracking but Again, as you said it looks good yeah it looks fine it's very you know, quick 
it's different than blowing it out of the goddamn airlock. I was gonna say I right. do give it big props that it's one of the few films mm-hmm. that it's like we don't have to do that. We'll yeah. just we'll just blow it up. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll jaws it. Yeah, and I guess that they were in talks of like doing the sequence. They were worried that it was gonna be too close to Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. Sure, which makes sense too. Yeah, Wayland gets there. We meet the human version of Bishop, who has who designed the android Bishop, android Bishop. I'm sorry, and has come to quote unquote help. Ripley. Helps he, Ripley. Yeah, he, he's trying to convince her that, no, 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 I can get the thing out of you, and we'll, it's totally fine, you're going to be fine, come with me, trust me, mm-hmm. you, they sent me because you know this face, you like this face. Yeah, I love the look of everything to do with this here, and I feel like this builds up so much lore with Wayland Utani. When you're playing the Alien Trilogy video game, when you're fighting the Wayland Utani soldiers, it's the guys in the white, like, shock armor. Yeah. No, they have a good look to them. Ultimately, we have, you know, we have some back and forth. Some Another one of the prisoners gets shot by them. We have some stuff going on. Because but... Aaron's on their side the whole time. And once he realizes that, like, no, this is fucked, mm-hmm. uh, he attacks human bishop, busts his ear in the weirdest, oh, like, yeah. most gnarly fucking way. It's hit right over the head. This weird makeup where, mm-hmm. like, the ears are just cracked off the body. Yeah. And they blow yeah. him away. And then they shoot Morris in the, the so knee, yeah. but he's able to get Ripley out over the, uh, the... The lead. Yeah. The lead. Ripley knows, even before that, she knows that this is... They're it's, not there to help her. It's I a mean, ruse. They just want to reach her. They yeah. don't care if she dies. She knows not to trust them, and ultimately ends up sacrificing herself, falling in to the lead or the... The furnace. The furnace yeah. there, killing herself and the queen inside her. Something I like more in the theatrical cut than this cut is because I think the shot of her falling into the molten isn't the best. It's awful. You Melanie pointed that out earlier. It, it definitely, it, it's a bit cheesy it's, way to end. I think it looks better in the theatrical where the alien, like the queen does burst from her chest mm-hmm. and she like holds on to it. It's longer, but I think it breaks up that sequence of her falling in. Because More? it's also, she's falling in in slow motion, and it just doesn't yeah. look good. Like, it's a shitty effect, it doesn't look good, and it's cheesy. I like the ending, I just, the way it looks, just because doesn't... Also, yeah, we saw two bodies at the beginning of this fall right. into the it furnace, and it looked fine, or mm-hmm. like, wherever they're sending them off, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, that looked good. This looked awful. Yeah. Which I get, like, you wanted the crucifix again, fine, right. but, man, I would have rather just seen her, her jump, and we don't see it, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. That's that's credits. That's our end credits. And well, we Morris gets out. Morris does get out. Yeah. What do you guys think of the musical score? Uh, we talk about this a little off screen and definitely hit or miss for sure. I like the uh, religious church gothic and the main theme, music. Like the bum, bum. Yeah, I, I like the swelling mm-hmm. and all of that, but it is very mis- just mismatched. A lot of it, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There, it's partly of the time and like also just like yeah. kind of trash metal moments. It's <laughs> yeah. very weird. It's, and then the yeah. dialogue is, which you brought this up, the dialogue is so quiet. The sound mix is really weird. It's wet and heavy, and it. I think a lot of the voices get missed with the the sound effects and the score. I feel like there's too much score, 
there's a lot of quiet moments that didn't need to be scored, but I think the score is fun. I think that sounds great. I think the ending music sounds great. I think any time that they have like a a Christ like moment mm-hmm. or you know like that's what they're hinting at, right? The, and they do that like that thing that the Matrix stole mm-hmm. that that yeah. sound cue. I think that works sure. really well. I wish they would have gone with one thing or another. It just it does seem like the moments of the metal music. It's just some odd choices. I'll put it at that. Overall, I want to say I, I really like this movie. I'm glad you chose this one. And it's one that I hadn't, like I said, hadn't seen forever and didn't recall it. And I, I really enjoyed it. So. I love this film. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I've already said like all the the background stuff about it. that I, Things I like, things I don't like. But overall, I think it is, yeah, it's the third best alien film. It's good. I'm glad you picked it. I thought it was, mm-hmm. I like that this is the first alien film we're talking about, which is kind of funny. Yeah, we'll talk sure. about more. We will. For sure. So, high lows and laughs. Melanie, do you want to start us today? Yeah, so my low is, ultimately, it's that blending. It's the taking a truly great effect mm-hmm. and, and again, they have the money. I really don't know why it doesn't work, and that's a bummer, because I wish it did. I hate the metal music cue mm-hmm. during the like junkyard assault thing, the attempted assault. Yeah. Metal starts playing, lightning crashes, he puts his goggles on and he screams. Yeah. I hate it. It feels uh-huh. like something that's not a, it doesn't feel like anything else in this movie. Does you hate Riddick? I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I think it's so stupid. I think it I hate it. I can't I can't stress it. It's not my low, but boy is it close. So yeah, there there's that and then I Another aside is I just feel I wish that Fincher would talk about this film. It would be valuable to for film commentary for him to speak on it. I I really do. Yeah. So that's a bummer to me. Um, I will say my high is the assembly cut. I know that's kind of a cheat because it's the whole movie, but I'm really glad that this version exists because I think it breathes new life into something that a lot of people have discounted and kind of just like disregarded entirely. I think this is a good film, and I really like that this is easily available for people to watch. And mm-hmm. my make them laugh is only if you're watching this with Nolan will you get this. <laughs> the very first kill of Murphy, mm-hmm. you lost it so hard. And the some I just knew, like I wasn't even looking at you because we watched this together before we recorded. But I just could feel it in the energy that you were like, oh, <laughs> like you were like very excited, and yeah. then you laughed so hard. It was so funny to me. For actual make them laugh, I feel like mm-hmm. you probably have the same one as me, so Absolutely. I'm gonna say it. But I'll just say my personal is just watching this with you was a treat because okay. every single kill mm-hmm. you lost it. Sure. It was hilarious. Sure. All right, I'll go next. I'll say my my low point is gonna be the same as yours. It, the blending and again, it didn't. It's not. It that. didn't hurt my enjoyment of the movie. It's just. Something that is more of an annoyance. There's really only a handful of shots that it's even an sure. issue. In. Yeah, yeah, not a big part. So yeah. that's that is that. Also, just some of the point of view shot, shots as well. I'll yeah. throw that in there. Uh, my high point, even though I again I like this whole movie, but those first 10 15 minutes, I just getting to see the scope of this planet, the compositions that were being shown, I, I was really impressed right from the get go. Make them laugh moment is obviously the uh, janitor just mopping up the blood of our poor warden. Very so, scary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we said this off mic, but um, this is something I always think about in horror movies a lot is when uh, someone gets killed in in a, in a place that you know has got to be cleaned up. 
who's got to clean up that mess, you know? So, tough break, janitor. There's a video game about this. It's like visceral cleanup or something yeah. where you play like <laughs> a janitor after a first-person shooter. <laughs> Love that. So my high point is the direction, but also I, we, we spoke about this. I think that we all think this is a very well-made film with some great visuals. Mm -hmm. I guess even stronger for me is just a time and a place that, that this film sits in my memory that alien fandom at the point that this film was coming out i think is and that's my high that there was just so much excitement around the franchise at this time sure. that that was very exciting for me my low point of the film is going to be some aspects of the story i think are a little messy i think that some of the pacing mm -hmm. could have been tightened up i, I agree with just that. maybe a script if not a better script. Sure. Also, not enough Pete. Mm -hmm. And my make them laugh. There's not that many funny points it's, in this it's not movie. not terribly... It's watching the movie with Nolan and watching him react to extreme violence is really funny to me. Knowing how it turned out, not saying what... leading up to the scene or the intention or anything like that, rape goggles are pretty funny. Him, no, just you don't the, need to. You don't need to explain it more. We know the terrible Nine Inch Nails type music that's playing. I don't think Nine Inch Nails is terrible. I think the music that's trying to emulate their like pre no, downward mean, spiral music. You mean specifically fake Nine Inch Nails? Music. Yes, that is terrible. Yes, yes. The, that's that music playing while this riddick looking motherfucker pulls goggles this. down and just. Ah, rage boner. Ah. The third or fourth time we fully discussed this scene. It's really funny. Got it. I'm glad she doesn't get raped. I am too. Let's I'm, just say I'm, that in general. Sure. This film is so mean that I'm really glad there is not a rape sequence, truly. Yeah. Sure. I don't need it. Melanie? MFK? We do have one. So for this film, it's going to be a little bit different than some of our others. So we're going. Clemens, Charles Dance character, Golic or Garlic, mm -hmm. and Ripley. I'm going to be logical here. I, I usually not logical, but I'm marrying um, Clemens. Fair enough. Great looker. Seems to be like a pretty solid guy. He and feels bad about He's, he's trying a, to. Yeah. He's a doctor. Sins. Yeah. I'm feeling good about him. I'm going to kill Ripley because she has an alien inside her. If I was to get with her, say marriage. Now, effing, that's a different thing. But to marriage, this it's, marriage is going to be lasting very long here. Fair enough. Okay. So that's all I'm saying. And then I'm effing garlic because I love crazy and he's a crazy guy. I'm really happy that you didn't marry him because that's where I thought. Yeah, that would probably. I thought you were starting yeah. with, I'm going to be logical. I'm marrying garlic <laughs> because catch. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Okay, marrying Clemens, you're. Killing Ripley, you're effing garlic. Yeah. That makes mm -hmm. sense for you. What are you doing? I assume that this is taking place in the world of this film. Yes? Yes. So I am a prisoner on Fury. I am marrying Golik because he's the weakest. He's a little crazy. He's going to be my prison wife. I also... 
also think that there is something where the other people would be a little scared of you. If, I know. If, like, you're like, this is the person I chose that to partner probably with. Probably a pretty yeah. big power duo. Like, I tamed this beast. That is, that, you know what? I say Nobody, corrected. Yeah. That is logical. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to fuck Ripley. That's fair. I'll just leave it at that. That's fair. I'm going to kill Clemens. I have no good reason for it. It's just. That's your choice. I, I'm going to kill Clemens. You know what? I'm saving uh, baby Tyrion Lannister tears later. Fair enough. <laughs> stopping, stopping Lannister is just at, at the very beginning mm. of this you, whole... You, you want to die by me and Golic's marriage uh, rampage? Or do you want a crossbow bolt to the chest on the toilet? What tough, do you want? Tough choices. Yeah. Okay. I am going to... Mary Ripley, we're taking Bishop to up on his offer of maybe he can actually save her. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna try. As the series goes on, this is true. Ripley always comes back, baby. I feel like it's gonna be just. I want to see things with her. She got you. I like that. There's always gonna be a level of thrill to it because this, like, the xenomorph is on her ass constantly. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that we'll have. That's gonna be very exciting for me. I probably won't make it. I will be in one of her life, one film, and I'm dead. Mm-hmm. But I'll take it. That's fine. Sure. Because I don't want to stay on Fury. I don't want to be there with these guys killing yeah. garlic. You got to get out of there. Killing garlic immediately as soon as I see him. No questions, dead. Mm-hmm. No, not doing it. And then having sex with Clemens for sure. Because he lays down the smooth talk. Really, he doesn't. But like very quickly, it's just another human that Ripley's like, you're not crazy. I'm going to have sex with you. Mm. It's yeah. like, we're not going into war right now. Yeah. And there's a moment for me to have sex with you. This is the Bioware moment where <laughs> right before the death, like the uh, suicide mission. Yeah, big shit happens. Yeah. Let's have sex. Let's have sex real quick. Let's get mm-hmm. it in. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go mm-hmm. die. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So that's my, all of our choices really make sense for the people that we are. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. Well. Again, uh, this was an enjoyable episode. Good pick, Stacy. And, uh, you know, keep enjoying your October out there, y'all. We will be back soon with a third installment of our spooky season. In the meantime, enjoy some good flicks out there. And you can find us at Cinema Parlor on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us if you will. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Cinema Parlor and Instagram. You can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. S Club 84 on Letterboxd. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. And uh, yeah, keep it chill out there. We'll see you guys soon. Does Drac you know me want to take us out? Oh, 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 oh. I forgot to see you soon. <laughs> If man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. In the year 35, 35, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies, everything you think.